do 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 <laughs> Go Additive Podcast, Episode 8. Welcome, everyone. We've made it to eight episodes officially. Uh, two more and we make it to ten. Wow. Things are looking up. You started out with your radio voice there, and it lasted about <laughs> two syllables. Maybe one yeah. syllable. Well... You're here with the hosts, me, Tate Brown. And me, Tyler Reed. <laughs> <laughs> and this is the Go Additive Podcast. If you've been with us for a little while, uh, you kind of get the gist of the show. We're, we're hoping to improve every single episode. And we kind of left off a little bit talking about jobs. Yeah. Last week, we had a great discussion, and I felt like it would lead into another discussion about careers in additive. So, because we're just full of ideas, we decided to tackle it <laughs> today. Yeah, that actually worked out pretty well. I think, I don't know, is that what the pros do in podcasting? They kind of, they leave you with a little teaser for the <laughs> next episode. Did we kind of do that? I think we, we did do that, but we, ha- we should talk about our process a little bit. Because well, process. Our, our, our process is evolving with yeah. creating, creating the podcast, right? And we're trying to get a feel for it. And that involves asking or begging significant (laughs) others and friends and family to listen and provide some feedback. And we got some feedback. We recalibrated last week. I think we overshot it. I think it was a little dull, to be honest. (laughs) And the thing is... Is that too strong? I I mean, it it was interesting, but we lost out on some of the spicy flavor (laughs) we knew going into this uh creating a podcast only about additive manufacturing it was going to be tough oh for sure and we lost we lost ourselves that last episode there was about 55 (laughs) minutes last week where we went into a place of zero emotion zero fun (laughs) a lot of we're dropping two truth bombs like there was some good information there, but it was a little stale. Yeah. And I think the goal uh, is to try and keep things lively a little bit. Obviously, things are going to get technical. Of course. Um, and yeah, I don't know. What makes a podcast interesting? Is it really knowing the hosts? Is it not knowing the hosts? Like, I don't want to mm-hmm. know about your personal life. I Give me some information on 3D printing that's going to that's gonna help me. I don't, I think it's somewhere in between. All right. I mean, what's your favorite podcast? Oh, man. I I really like some of the, everyone out there is going to think I'm such a nerd, but I, I like a couple bass fishing podcasts. Mm-hmm. And I can <laughs> tell you've got that camo hat on right now. Yeah. And the flannel. <laughs> I'm looking like a pure outdoorsman right now. Uh, but yeah, this this podcast called Bass Talk Live. Okay, and uh, it's two dudes, and they they have an interesting dynamic. One of them he fishes casually, but he's not like really into it. But he's a college professor. He he worked at a, a professionally in the higher ups of UPS, and you know, so he wasn't delivering packages. He was in corporate, and he kind of brings. He grounds it all out, and then the other host is younger, younger guy about our age, um, and he is 
in fishing. Like he is into it. Mm -hmm. And so it, they have good talks and they have a few sponsors, you know, but for the most part, they're not. Yeah. They're truthful about the industry. It's yeah. an interesting in industry and it, it's probably not unlike 3d printing totally. Mm -hmm. Um, but your big players in the industry are just hammering the marketing and, and their name is everywhere. And it's like, when you're just getting into it, you're like, who do I, who do I trust? Oh, these guys are legit. These are the best of the best. And then the more you get into it, the more you realize I need to do my own independent research on these companies. Right. And I think that's kind of similar. Yeah, I, I would agree. I, my favorite podcast right now is called My First Million. And it's a business podcast. <laughs> I'm sorry. Hold on. What? I've told you this before because I think you mentioned it. But yeah. all I can think of is Uncle Roman. I know. Which on the great outdoors. It, and and that, <laughs> that got me to watch that movie, that conversation that we had about this. Such which, a great it's, movie. Oh, it's such a good movie. Dan Aykroyd. <laughs> He's so legendary. I think John Candy. Legendary. Well, of course. But Ab absolute unit of a comic. Yeah. So tell us how you made your first million. <laughs> I haven't made a million of anything. <laughs> <laughs> so why do you like that podcast? I like the podcast because it primarily is two dudes. Mm -hmm. Again, there's a theme there. And it's very conversational between them. It's very casual. And they're authentic. Like they had Ty Lopez on. You know Ty Lopez? No, why do I, I don't you know, know anybody that, that you talk about? <laughs> <laughs> you will know Ty Lopez. He's the guy who a few years ago was on every YouTube ad and he's like, "Hey, I'm here in my garage with my Lamborghini." Oh my gosh. And yes. let me tell you about how I got here. Books. That guy. Yeah, okay. Often seen as a scammer, grifter, opportunist he's a very polarizing character mm -hmm. and these guys had him on and they told him hey we know your history and we don't know if we like you to his face and they're just talking he was in studio well i don't think he was in studio this is covid <laughs> covid to, era to to their laptop yeah but they're they do it through zoom they told him though during the interview and then casually they'll talk about that appearance in later episodes and they'll talk about how they got so much hate mail from some people saying why would you even give this guy a platform and other people are like eh he he had some points and some experiences to share and they they talk about their process of deciding who to bring on who not to bring on and how to engage with those people so it's it's very authentic that's why I like it and have either of them made a million? Oh, yeah. Both of them are wealthy. Okay. So they know what dollars. they're talking about. We're talking about dollars at this point. But yeah, they know what, they know what they're, talking, they're talking about. They're, they're two Silicon Valley guys, although one guy had just moved to Austin. Okay. And so now they do it remotely. They, 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 they do it over Zoom. Okay, yeah, cool. They do it over Zoom. So that's interesting because I, uh, well... Never mind. Never mind. <laughs> you can't say never mind on a podcast. That doesn't work. It, sure it does. <laughs> I, 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 what I was going to say is I don't like listening to podcasts where the interviewer is not good. Mm -hmm. But I think it's doubly bad 
when the interviewer is not that great and they're not really a, a source of good information. Sure. They're just kind of like some dude that interviews people. Yeah. It's like you can get great guests. Um, but if you don't interview them well and you also don't bring much to the conversation, right. it makes it tougher. Makes it tougher to listen to. I agree. Because I, I find myself listening to some podcasts just because of the guests they bring on them. I'm, I'm more interested in the guest, less interested in the podcast. I want to hear what they have to say. Mm-hmm. Um, so in that vein, I hope, you know, we, you and I have talked off air about doing some, getting some interesting guests. We will, we've, we've got a list. We will it's get growing. to the point where we have guests. And <laughs> so on the topic of Ty Lopez, like Ty Lopez <laughs> was a great episode for them because he's a controversial person. Mm-hmm. And I can think of a few controversial people in the 3D printing industry. Um, Bree Pettis is a controversial figure. The guy who started MakerBot and has been painted in all sorts of different lights. So uh, I forget the guy's name, but there was an executive at 3D Systems, Mm -hmm. sales executive, who left the company, took customer lists, brought it to him, I think it, to Union Tech. That was a huge controversial thing. Union Tech eventually got kicked out of doing business in the U.S. Controversial thing. Uh, a guy named Michael Anderson, I believe is his name. He was an editor of Wired Magazine. And ooh, controversial person. Uh, I mean, some of the, there is controversy For in sure. our field. Well, and we need to probably do a decent job of sending setting the groundwork, maybe uh, creating some drama. Maybe not <laughs> creating, but just letting our listeners know why. Why this is drama. I mean, yeah. those names aren't household names to a lot of people. Maybe they. Maybe some of our listeners have heard a name or two that you just mentioned. But sure. maybe it's our job to kind of let people know who these people are, who the players in the yeah. industry are, and why drama is drama, maybe. Yeah, as long as it's not drama for drama's sake, I'm not a big fan of that. Okay. But if what about a, speculation? Speculation, I'm into. Um, I'm into lessons learned from drama, but drama for the sake of drama, I'm not a huge fan of. I I agree wholeheartedly. I have something though. Okay. Recently, that oh. could be worth talking about. Are you go- about? And to I'm bring not it the up? only one that's speculating. Are you about to bring it up? Can I? Huh? Go for it. I can always edit it out. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's just say a player in the metal 3D industry just made an acquisition. And you could talk about news. You can give names. Okay. Well, I don't want to. Okay. I don't want to. Okay, you don't need just to. for the you sake of to. maybe giving us a little more freedom to talk <laughs> about it. Okay. Uh, but there was an acquisition made and it was a polymer acquisition. Okay. I'm envisioning this. Okay. So people might be wondering why is a metal additive manufacturer making this acquisition. You have to wonder. So to maybe set the groundwork here, the revenues have not been super high for this metal company. The revenues for this other company, the acquired company, they are decent. 
So you basically just bought yourself instant generated revenue. Customer base, cash flow, yeah. But it's in a different vertical than you would typically target. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think this particular move, which we should just we should just say the names. We can say the names. I if you think so, I, I'm not Yeah, we can say the names. So desktop metal buys Envision Tech, right? And it's supposed to be something like three hundred million dollar deal, something like that. Mm-hmm. And you know, we we don't have any inside info, but we have a view of the industry and a view of the market and histories with each organization. And a lot of people in the industry do because the industry is small, which is why drama is sort of this, it's a weird uh, thing to tiptoe around because the industry is small and like people who make a wake, like that stays with them forever. And this this is part of where our conversation is going to lead into, right? Careers in in additive manufacturing. Uh, so everyone's speculating. Nobody, nobody knows exactly on the outside what it's about. Perhaps it's buying customer base, right? Perhaps it is access to intellectual property, right? Perhaps something that DM is trying to do is being blockaded by some IP that Envision Tech has, Yep. for example. Um, perhaps it is a play into polymers. And despite the name, Desktop Metal, wants to be more than just a metal additive OEM. You know, they released the fiber system about a year ago, and that's a polymer system. So we know it's not completely out of what they're interested in uh, playing, you know, the field that they're playing, they're they're interested in playing on. So I I don't know exactly, but when you have a lot of cash... We don't know. All we can do is speculate. When you have a lot of cash, um, things and decisions and ideas that were previously not an option become options. And so you start to strategize and make your way towards goals, right? I guess that's a nice nice way to put it, Tyler. It's, I mean, yeah. I mean, <laughs> the, the thing is with a company like Stratasys who has come out in, in their investor calls and, and said specifically, we want to be the leader in polymer additive that is our mission. No, they've they made that right turn with the new under the new leadership uh, uh, almost exactly a year ago, and so acquisitions like Origin start to make sense because the DLP technology fills a gap in a Stratasys portfolio. That makes sense. Makes perfect sense. A Some, technology gap and a financial right. Uh, what do you mean? It fits in a nice place financially in their portfolio in oh, terms right. of cost of the technology. Yeah, in solutions offered. Yep. Right, right. So I don't know. We've seen a ton of acquisitions and mergers over the years. We have seen ones that make perfect sense. We have seen ones that leave us scratching their head. And time will tell. Time will tell. It It, it makes for interesting conversation, though. And, you know, it is, um, I would say... I have mixed feelings about the infusion of investment money coming into the industry. You know, you have a company like Nano Dimension who raised, what, a billion dollars, something like that, over the past two quarters. Mm-hmm. Desktop Metal, of course, raised a ton of money through their IPO. You have other companies like uh, Velo3D is a Silicon Valley-born company yeah. that has brought on $150 million in investments. 
Origin was a Silicon Valley company as well. Do we want to get too far into this right now? Not really. Because this is this is good fodder for a future episode. I actually because we we've had kind of we've kind of had this conversation. Yeah. Um off air. There are other content creators that are totally focused on this discussion. Most of them are not in the industry, I would say. Most content creators who are talking about the stock tickers for these Which companies. Which is problematic. I personally think it's problematic. <laughs> yeah. Because, you know, we're speculating to some degree. Yeah. People who are... But prim- we're not influencing. No, we're not influencing. That's the thing is we're not out there saying pump this up or dump this or whatever. We're just trying to make... Um, sense of it all, mm-hmm. where you go on YouTube and you search uh, NNDM or SSYS or DDD or search a stock ticker for one of these 3D printing companies, and you're going to get investment-focused content creators talking about 3D companies, 3D printing companies. And it's, as an insider looking out, uh, it's <laughs> it's interesting. <laughs> I don't know everything. That's the thing. No one, I don't know everything. We don't. I don't we, we have a little everything. bit of inside information, but it's generally, well, y- you know more than I do. What I get is the forecast of new technologies that Stratasys is coming out with. Um, I have a couple other buddies in the industry that can give me some insight with other companies. Mm-hmm. And that's about it. Yeah. That's the only thing I know. Yeah. Well... But I'm not making stock decisions right? based off of it. Yeah. I don't know. I do have mixed feelings about it because on one hand, I think it's... I don't have any stonks. No stonks. <laughs> I think it's a little irresponsible, you know, for some of these people to be having the conversations that they're having. And and uh, kind of confusing as where and how the money flows and how strongly it flows. But on the other hand, the fact that money is flowing into the industry at all is a good thing, in sure. my opinion. Sure. And it's going to create jobs and yeah. and careers. Yeah. Right? So if this, if any of this interests you, or even some of our last topics, our past topics, what, what if you want to jump into this industry? Mm-hmm. So getting into our main topic of the day, we want to talk about getting a job in 3D printing. Right. Careers in 3D printing. Yep. So there's a discussion about what type of jobs mm-hmm. there are and what else? Skills required. Okay. For those types of jobs and maybe how to get how to get that career, how to how to begin pursuing it. Great. So So where do we start? Well, I think probably the best place to start is to talk about the types of jobs. Cause like what we were just talking about is pretty high level. Let's talk entry level. Yeah. You know, that, what are some of the jobs that can get you a start, hit the ground running for maybe our younger listeners or maybe someone who's just looking for a total career path change? Yeah. What's a good let's lay out the jobs sure. that we can think of off the top of our heads. Okay. Well, before we begin, I do want to reiterate that previous conversation was a very insider-ish type conversation. Mm-hmm. And the 3D printing industry is a tight-knit community, but 
it is a rapidly growing community. It's a very rapidly emerging technology. And for that reason, there are career opportunities at every level of the ladder, you know, from most entry level position where you could come in with almost no prior knowledge to, you know, industry professional where you have 30, almost 40 years of experience. There are people like that as well. So I, I think of this in, there's different categories or kind of overarching realms of career options. There are people like you and I who work in tandem either for or in partnership with 3D printing OEMs, companies and organizations who create 3D printing hardware, printers, and or 3D printing specific software. So these types of careers are 100% focused to 3D printing and supporting the growth of the industry. There's another category of industry jobs. So people who use 3D printing in the course of their work, but it's not dedicated specifically to 3D printing, which we'll get into some examples of those, all of these categories. And then there's a category of entrepreneurship, like people who start 3D printing centric companies. And I'd be happy to talk a few of those, but do you kind of agree with those categories? Yeah. And I almost interrupted. I'm glad I didn't because that pretty much fills it out. So on the base level, are we getting too intense about this? Is this, because no. I, if we flesh out each of those. It might take a long time. Oops. <laughs> which the feedback we've gotten already is like, don't go over an hour. Yeah. I forgot to start the clock this time, by the way. <laughs> so we don't actually know. But we can breeze, we can breeze through them. Because I, I do think it's important to talk. We don't have to talk about in-depth on all of those. Mm-hmm. But we'll dedicate some more time to some of them. Well, to make things interesting, let's talk about first how you got your job in 3D printing. Okay. Can we? Yeah, sure. Uh, I wasn't expecting to do that. But I, I, I hit you with a surprise. Yeah, that's okay. I, I like to think on my feet. So in... Uh, in the most general sense, you could call you and I's position application engineering. Mm-hmm. And I started at Go Engineer over 10 years ago, and I had a background in mechanical engineering. I got my bachelor's in mechanical engineering, and I was primarily focused in machine tool, machine tool design, precision machine tool design. I knew SolidWorks from school and some prior jobs, and I started here in SolidWorks technical support. I wanted to work in the CAD industry in on some level. And I thought doing technical support would be a great way to really fine-tune my SOLIDWORKS skills. And it ended up being the case. But over the years, once I was in this organization, I would come across, and a lot of it was reactive at the beginning, and now because I've got years of experience, I've learned to be more proactive and search out, but I would seize opportunities. And when opportunities presented themselves that I felt like would be interesting or a path for growth, I would seize on them. And I created opportunities uh, unknowingly by just doing good work. 
like putting my best foot forward and always trying to make my work stand out from my peers. So when a position opened up that was primarily focused on 3D printing, I was asked to fill it because in this case, my presentation skills and my ability to public speak and my ability to communicate between salespeople and customers was a great fit for this role of application engineering for 3D printing. And over the years, I've been doing that. And those initial skills, those base skills, the communication skills that were there at the beginning have grown and really solidified my position as an application engineer, which if you're interested in what that role is, in my mind, it's essentially a person who has broad, nuanced, technical knowledge and, very importantly, strong communication skills to be to have the ability to present that knowledge, share that knowledge, and educate potential buyers or potential users about the technology. It's a 50-50 thing. It's technical knowledge and it's communication skills. Okay. That's a good start. So for the listeners that are interested, just know you have to start with some base skills and you've got to start somewhere. But like Tyler did, he got his advancements through growing each of these small skills, you know, SolidWorks, um, speaking, public speaking, or content creation. All of these small skills added together are what created this growth. So one what more, if one more point there? Sure. I did have a certificate. I, I, I had a technical degree, right? I had yeah. a degree in mechanical engineering mechanical engineering. It's not a requirement in the 3D printing industry. It it does help a lot. Sure. To have some sort of formal education in a technical field helps so much because 3D printing is very rarely a standalone tool or a standalone process. Yeah. It is very much a process that is integrated into existing processes. And it's hard to have the necessary context to bring all everything together if you don't have at least some education in some of these outside areas. Not a requirement, but having a technical degree or a technical education, formal education, helps propel you past maybe a more entry-level position. Absolutely. And we have example examples here in this company of people who do. You know, we've got double, double majors. We've got... Mm-hmm people who have no degree. Right. And uh, one one person comes to mind um, who started as a print technician, a printer technician, and is now one of our top salespeople. Yeah. Uh, so he, he kind of went both ends of the spectrum there. He, yeah. he never really was an application engineer, but um, started as a, as a print technician with no degree. And right. now he's making probably great money, I assume. And uh, he he's kicking butt. Yeah. We know that. He's very successful. And it all started with, with being a technician, mm-hmm. which we have tons of technicians. And maybe that maybe that's your start. Yeah. So a technician would be somebody who repairs and maintains print hardware out in the field, right? 
And so you would you would want some sort of skill set, but you get trained specifically on the systems, but you should have some sort of aptitude for opening up a piece of electronic hardware mm-hmm. and diagnosing, troubleshooting, and repairing. Which you could get your start with a desktop printer. I would say people who started on desktop printers would be extremely well-suited for a job like that. Yeah, they're going to have a base understanding of the problems mm-hmm. that 3D printers tend to run into, and th- it's just a little mini platform that that helps you grow perfectly into that. Right. So, And one more quick, quick note on the person that you're talking about. He was another person that always said yes to opportunities. And again, because 3D printing is such a fast-growing, emerging field, opportunities are abound. If you just get your foot in the door into an organization that has 3D printing initiatives and do good work, you will forge a career path around yourself. Yeah. And what are your goals? You know, do you want to, usually making money is like just a byproduct, right? But if your goal is to get into the additive manufacturing realm and make a little bit more money, then mm-hmm. you're going to have to target different different ends of this spectrum, right? Uh, but what we basically said is you can go from one end to the other too, and getting your foot in, in yeah. the door is a good start. You grow, you grow into it. So what if I just want to be a print, like an operator mm-hmm. for a big company who's got maybe like a big 3D printing lab? What's a good route to go there? So a print operator or somebody who runs a printing, you know, farm or a printer or whatever would technically you could come in with little formal education about 3D printing. Uh, it's, it's an entry-level position. What would really prime uh, you for a position like that and would, what would set you apart from other applicants would be a demonstrated passion for 3D printing, right? If if you came into an interview and you had experience and you could share your experiences, you know, troubleshooting a printer, running a printer, you know, talk about how you set up your system in your bedroom and you downloaded files and you've been running them and you you run them 48 hours straight and da-da-da, you, you change your schedule around that and then you leave the hiring manager with a 3d printed part that you did like that would be hmm, i'd love to see that if i was hiring somebody like that just a demonstrated passion for the industry and even if it's a 200 dollars printer right yeah even if you go to the local library and you're using the library's printer even that would impress me even more than if you dropped thousands of dollars on your own printer Yeah. Because it's all about showing initiative and passion. Yeah. And these processes or improvements, they scale, right? Like if if you figured out a way to take an eight-hour print that you got off Thingiverse and got it to print in four hours by, you know, fidgeting around with some of the processes and you walked someone through that. Yeah. Those scale up. Absolutely. So if you're an operator, it makes sense for a company to hire you because you have demonstrated that you know how to improve efficiency. You know how to do the job. Yep. 100%. And an operator is all about efficiency, right? 
Yeah, operators over time- And organization. I would say become some of the most knowledgeable people uh, on the technology in terms of applied technology. So from being an operator, you've got designers, you've got manufacturing engineers, software engineers. You had mentioned software to, yeah. before and kind of like these these non-print centric uh-huh. uh, opportunities. Tell Absol- us about absolutely. Some of those. I would say most people in the who interact with 3D printers are in some sort of role that is not 100% 3D printing centric, right? They're engineers and designers who work for companies that design parts and assemblies and products, and they are using 3D printing somewhere in their product uh, life cycle, right? They're either using 3D printing for prototyping, they're using 3D printing for tooling, they're using 3D printing for end-use products, and they have to know about the technology in order to use it effectively. And depending on how often they're interacting with the technology, again, these might be people who really know and understand the ins and outs, advantages and disadvantages of 3D printing. So, I mean, a mechanical engineer is probably by far and away the most broad type of job title that fits into this category because you're day in, day out designing parts, you're designing processes. Someone like a chemical engineer might be developing 3D printing resins or materials, right? Well, I just thought of something. Okay. If you don't mind me kind of interrupting with with it a little bit, but so say you're a mechanical engineer, would it be a lateral move to become like a a 3D print operator? Like how, how do you see that? Like, what, what if I was a mechanical or am a mechanical engineer and all of a sudden I find myself as this print operator in this huge, or, huge or organization and I'm important, right? Like mm-hmm. I'm probably a flight risk. By losing mm-hmm. me, yeah, there's other people that can run print jobs, whatever, but there, there aren't people that can do it like yeah. me. How do you think that's viewed? Well, I think it's case by case because... It could come down to the actual title. It could come down to the job description. So if you're a, if you're a degreed engineer mm-hmm. and you have AM experience and you move to a company that your title probably would not be operator. Your title would probably be additive manufacturing engineer or additive manufacturing specialist, something like that. And more than likely, yeah, you could be tasked with running the systems, but you would also likely be tasked with filtering the job requests and helping the t- other the designers design for additive. Like you would probably be tasked with more than just operating. If you were a degree engineer and you became just a strict operator, I th- don't think that would be a lateral move just in terms of the skill set. But absolutely, some organizations, you don't have that clear division of labor. Like probably a lot of organizations, you don't have a specific person for every step of the process. You have, especially right now, as companies are just dipping their toes into implementing additive, you have broadly skilled people coming in and wearing a lot of hats Mm -hmm. and trying to make everything work. That could be a lateral move. It probably would be a, uh, 
I think in most cases it would be an upward move because you would probably be running the whole department, additive department at that point. Okay, so maybe our topic should have been how to leverage 3D printing to advance, right? Like whether that be advanced from being a landscaper into a technical field like engineering Mm -hmm. or leveraging it from you know, being a technician to a mechanical engineer or... That's that's one maybe. angle we could take. I, I do think it's important to relay the information of what careers are out there. Sure. And then a separate discussion is how do you get to, how do you get to those points? But if you're never made aware of all of these different uh, types of roles, mm-hmm. then you wouldn't know where you're aiming. Like many people probably don't realize that application engineering is even a thing or process engineering is a very specific role in this industry. So I do think it's important. So lay them out for us. Well, let's talk a little bit more about some of the roles like mechanical engineering, chemical engineering, even roles like material scientist, for example. In all all honesty, that's going to be a field that is rapidly growing Mm -hmm. because right now, this current state of things, yes, there are technologists and new technologies being developed, but most of all of the work is actually going into materials. From my perspective, you have, if you know powdered metal and you know how to formulate new and novel alloys, or if you know how to create the actual fine grained powder or you're learning, that's immensely uh, useful information to companies like Praxair who are trying to get into that market. A lot of companies, well-established companies like DuPont and BASF, they are developing materials specifically for additive manufacturing. And there's this race of who's going to create the most materials and who's going to get broad market adoption. So material science, huge, huge. So you would go through probably a four-year degree in material science, maybe uh you know, postgraduate education too in material science. At that point, you might be specializing in additive, maybe not. Computer science, mathematics, there's corresponding softwares for each one of these uh, technologies. If you want to get into additive, but not put all your uh, carts in one horse, is that how the saying goes? No. (laughs) I didn't think so. Put all your apples in one basket. Put all your eggs in one basket. All right. Um, you don't need an AM specific education. Putting the cart before the horse is another one that you may be uh, kind of mixing up. Yeah. All right. It's okay. Thanks. Everybody Everybody makes mistakes. Yeah. yeah. People do make mistakes. <laughs> so, yeah. I, even There's even now a role called digital engineer that the Air Force announced earlier this year that is hyper-focused on 3D printing, but also 3D scanning and digital manufacturing skills. Digital engineer, very similar to additive manufacturing engineer, but um, I would say most people who use 3D printing are fit in that category, but it's not the category that I want to focus on. What is the category you want to focus on? Well, I, I kind of want to focus on the category of people who are have careers that are hyper-focused on 3D printing. So like application engineers, field technicians, salespeople, um, the entrepreneur category, I think, Kind of interests like print me. Print bureau. 
uh, yeah, print bureau, you know, service bureau, job shop type work where you're buying printers with the intent of printing parts as a service. Mm-hmm. You know, totally legitimate career path. Um, if if you have an entrepreneurial spirit, that might be really enticing for you. Many people don't want to be their own boss. They don't want the burden of forging their own way every day and starting over the next day. There is a lot of comfort in having, you know, an eight to five job and having a task that you've been asked to do and completing it, totally legitimate. Other type of entrepreneurial endeavors would be AM education. How so? You know, there's people on, say, LinkedIn whose job seems to be just evangelizing for 3D printing. Oftentimes they'll have like a blog or a YouTube channel or some sort of social media outreach or contracts with corporations to keep people educated on additive as an industry. Like so Terry Wohler's- printing consultant. Yeah, consultant. That's a good word. Terry Wohler's perfect example of this. You're just, you're just blinking at me. This is the guy that we talked about earlier? We've probably talked about him. Did we talk about oh him? Oh my gosh. This is just another example of another person that I don't know. Well, you should know him. Oh man. <laughs> oh my gosh. Come on. <laughs> okay. So- If I don't know who he is, hopefully I relate whoa, to some whoa, of the whoa, people whoa, whoa. who listen- I'm not going to yeah. say I set the standard. I'm just saying I'm you are embedded in the industry. You've been in here for a decade. I know. Uh me 2 years. It's dark. It's dark. I, in I here. was a user for several years. I feel so bad. I never asked you to share your story. It's okay. I'm it's okay. It's you fine. didn't expect it's fine. me to. It's okay. You didn't expect me to. Eh, well, <laughs> <laughs> it's whatever. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, but I'm terrible. I, <laughs> I I'm just saying I've been in it for a lot fewer years than you. I haven't had the same trajectory in terms of uh, a career here in this industry. I've been one of those um, non-print centric right. jobs that utilize 3D printers, but not in 3D printing. Yeah. Okay. So I don't know the people and I'm, I'm still curious as to who our listener base is. Yeah. Me too. But I imagine, no offense, I probably relate to them at this point more than you do. I'm not going to disagree with you. <laughs> In fact, I think you're 100% right. I'm, I'm the connector. It's not like these guys are on trading cards and <laughs> exactly. you know, they have groupies. Exactly. They're not well-known people. But... Real quick, you so quit patronizing me for not knowing that. No, I'm just giving you a hard time. <laughs> I know. You you fall squarely into that category of um, a technically educated person with broad industry experience mm-hmm. and knowledge and skills that wanted. I think 3D printing piqued your interest. You had used 3D printing. You had been around 3D printing. Yep. You had some connections that are deep into the 3D printing world. And you thought, hey, maybe this sounds interesting. And I don't know, has it been interesting? Oh, yeah. Big time. I It's been a great move for me um, because, like you said, I, I was interested in 3D printing. I had utilized it. It had helped me out in the past. I've learned a ton by being here. And just the introduction to new processes and things that could have helped me in the past 
gives me the ability to relay that to people who are in a position where I was a couple years ago. You know, hey, right, a little DFAM course could help you out here. Right. Or, hey, this print technology really is the right technology for your application. I know right. you're using this right now, but a little change could really benefit you. I can actually, I feel <laughs> that conversation, you know, so it yeah. helps. Yeah. Cool. So Terry Wallers is, um, I would say, probably the most prolific AM consultant, 3D printing consultant. He has written a report for, I think, at least 20 years now, a yearly report giving, uh, basically putting a thumb on the pulse of the industry, talking about how many machines were sold by this company and this company and this type of technology and this type of technology. And he's sort of charted the path of the growth of the industry. And he's the type of person who has made a career, not from printing parts, but from educating organizations about a growing industry and educating uh, users and, and buyers and decision makers about the direction of the industry, what to expect from the industry, et cetera. And uh, he's not alone. He's not the only type. Of per- he's not the only person that does that. But he's the perfect example of like an AM evangelist. Even though I hate that word, a consultant. A consultant. Yeah. Um, you have hardware aftermarket. You know, especially on the on the hobbyist level, you have people developing aftermarket components for OEM uh, hardware. And also the whole realm of like copywriting slash media slash marketing, people who are very focused on 3D printing. So think about all the websites that you go to for 3D printing news, right? Yeah. Like 3dprint.com would be an example of that. Mm -hmm. People like that, whose skill set is not in technology per se, their skill set is in copywriting, uh, just technical writing marketing. And I actually do think that someone could make a whole career um, just doing consultant marketing for large 3D printing OEMs. Because if you know and understand the industry, that becomes a value to people who want to promote the industry. Yeah. You got to have some clout though to be a consultant. Yeah. You can't start from nothing. And I've I've wondered about just being a consultant in any industry. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. You basically have to work backwards. You have to have been somebody, somebody, right, in the industry. Um, well, what? I know a guy who was a a prominent basketball coach, okay. D1 basketball coach. Okay. He's a consultant now. Yeah. The guy's a stud. Well, could he be a coaching consultant had he never been a D1 basketball coach? Maybe. I don't think so. Well, I don't, I don't think I, so you're talking about this career that yeah. it's, it's cool. Is it accessible? I, I don't know. I'm just, okay. I'm just playing the devil's advocate here. We're, you we're don't just have, become a consultant out of nowhere. We're going to have two devil devils advocating each other right here. <laughs> okay. Okay. So let's say I am a copywriter. I do technical writing contract work, right? Which is extremely difficult. It is difficult. And I know nothing about 3D printing. Okay. And maybe I don't even have a huge client list, right? 
Okay. So I'm small potatoes. Uh, I go into a company, you know, a small-ish 3D printing OEM, and I say, hey, I've noticed that you guys are not being very effective in this realm. And if you do this, 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 which I can help you do, you'll be a lot more effective. That's how you create opportunities for yourself and start small because there's consultants at every level, right? Like your D1 basketball coach Mm -hmm. is not consulting for the jazz, right? Maybe junior jazz. (laughs) Oh my Maybe junior jazz. For those of you who are not familiar with junior jazz, these are like (laughs) six-year-olds and eight-year-olds playing basketball. Pretty sure. The point is, even a even even a division three coach or a junior jazz coach, like there's there's consulting at all sorts of different levels. No one is consulting the junior jazz coach besides the dude who was a has been, the dad of the kid that's yelling at you to put his kid in the game. That's the only consulting you're gonna get. Yeah. He's you gotta start somewhere. Okay. Well he's not getting paid for it. Well, that's his problem. That's a passion project. Yeah. And hey, trying to break into a new industry, you probably, depending on the type of role you're doing, you probably are going to have to do some passion projects or come in as an intern. You know, especially if you want to get into a big OEM. Like you come into, let's say Desktop Metal now. Mm-hmm. Desktop Metal is a company that has five years, about five about five years of history, a few hundred employees, and you know, a division of labor that they're, that's there. Like everyone who is there now is quite specialized. Okay. So if you were going to break into uh, an organization like that, you would, I would seek out maybe internships, for example. I would ask about opportunities in operating printers. Um, I would ask about opportunities in maybe order management or material handling or something. If I had no 3D printing experience or other work experience. If you have other work experience, leverage that, right? Like going back to the copywriting thing. Desktop Metal is a company that would hire contractors who are good at what they do, even if what they had done in the past had nothing to do with 3D printing. And the reason I know that's true is because they're the same as every other organization in the world. Like everyone is seeking skilled people that Mm -hmm. offer value and they're willing to trade value for dollars. Yep. So it's just a matter of going into an organization and confidently saying, these are my skills. I think they're worth this. What do you think they're worth? And hopefully you come to an agreement. Yeah. And that probably leads perfectly into uh, documenting your projects. I keep thinking about this as we go throughout this topic is you really need, there's power in documenting your projects, whether it's like you, it could be a YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. It could be uh, a thread on a forum. You really should be documenting any of the projects that you do to improve uh, anything. If you have a desktop printer, I think that can get you a job. A hundred percent. I thought of this example when you talked about degrees. I have a friend. Uh, I was actually roommates with him years ago uh, when he was going to school to be a pilot. This was a confused individual, nicest guy ever, uh, had no idea what he really wanted to do, got into the pilot program and just decided, eh, I don't want to do this. I really like what you do. 
dictate. Like you seem pretty passionate about that stuff. You know, I was building a motorcycle at the time and he's like, I want to, I want to go be a mechanical engineer. And I'm thinking in my head, like, okay, <laughs> I hope you like it. Cause yeah. you've, I've never seen you work on anything or tinker on anything ever since yeah. you've lived here, but I hope you like it, you know? And he went ahead and he got his degree. He basically checked all the boxes of what you should do to become a mechanical engineer, got his degree, graduated, couldn't get a job. And so just having the degree doesn't mean you're going to get a job. He he actually put a, fo- a post up on Facebook and was like, hey, I've had my degree for a while now. I haven't gotten a job. If anybody has any good leads, like, let me know about it. I'd like to start applying at some some new places. And I'm thinking in my head, like, this fits his pattern perfectly. Like, he still doesn't like what he does. Yeah. I, I at least had that suspicion. Then I talked to him. I sent him a message and I said, hey, man, um, I just got a really cool job. Maybe you can find a job like similar to this one. Uh, have you done any projects recently that you can document? Have you done any, anything? And he's like, well, no, you know, I don't have money to buy a 3D printer. I was like, dude, it's a couple hundred bucks. Like, get it. Yeah. Get the money because yeah. documenting one project if you're a good content creator uh, or halfway decent or can show like, hey, this is how right. this is my thought process or this is how I improved this or that or how I created something that has value right. or leave it up to the people you interview with. Like, hey, this kid knows what he's doing. Uh, they might see skills in you that you don't see in yourself as you complete one of these projects or it's just an organic way to show uh, you're a creator. Right. And whether that's creating efficiency or, or parts or whatever, um, I think one of the best ways that you can get your foot in the door somewhere with or without a degree is to document a project and show people how you do it. I agree. You know, at the end of the day, whoever is doing the hiring, they have a job description that they're looking for candidates to fill. And whoever best fills from their perception that job description is going to shoot to the top of the list. There are other things here and there that could impede that mm-hmm. hiring, but at the end of the day, you know, a demonstrated passion or a demonstrated ability to do that job is numero uno in my mind, which I think that was part of your application process, right? Yeah. Uh, I actually came with two projects. You guys had asked me to prepare um, a couple Actually, you only asked me to prepare one. I prepared two just in case because I wanted to get a feel for who was interviewing mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. And I had two projects. I had one that was just uh, a motorcycle. I think it was one of those motorcycles that I built and utilizing additive and um, just kind of coming up with my own innovations, I guess, on that motorcycle, taking you through a step-by-step. And then the other project was... Um, a more professional project. It was a project that I had done at my last job. Right. And yeah, I, I only you can actually say the factors that made you hire me, but I'm a non-degreed individual. And so those had to have carried some, right. Some weight because there were other applicants that did have degrees. Right. I 
have seen so many times where people disqualify themselves from ever applying for a job or even considering that they might be qualified for a job simply because they don't tick every box in the job description. Mm -hmm. And I, they're really doing themselves a disservice because as whoever is filling that role, uh, especially on a, a smaller organization like this, like if you're, if you're applying to HP, for example, a company with 100,000 plus employees, their process is going to be a little bit different, more corporate. Yeah. But the smaller the company, the more people understand that some skills can be taught. And the expectation is that some skills will be taught after the hire. So what you, they're really looking for are some of the fundamental abilities and fundamental skills that are too difficult and too time-consuming, too expensive to teach. Yeah. So in the role of application engineering, that is communication. And you might see strong communication skills on the job description, and you probably breeze over that. And you're looking at, okay, what CAD tool do they want? Yeah. Like, what office products do they want? And we focus on that. But the underlying skill is communication. And this goes back to, I think, a few pods ago where I was talking about filmmaking and, you know, you get caught up in what cameras to buy, what software to use, mm -hmm. but the core thing, concept that you really want to understand if you're going to become a good filmmaker and same with 3D printing, et cetera, is how, to, how, how to tell a story. Yeah. And dude, if you can tell a story in application engineering, great, because that's what we do every day. It's just technical stories that have ROIs attached to them. But if you don't have that skill, I don't care if you are a PhD. I would tell you if you're a PhD and you're applying for an application engineering job and you have no storytelling skills, I'd say you will be a better fit being a process engineer for this company where you take in data, you, you do something with it, and then you spit out data. That's what you're best fit for. Right. So knowing and understanding and being able to decipher what's the core skill and focusing in on that is hugely important just in, in, in any industry, in any career advice, I would say that's solid advice. Yeah. And uh, touching back on your point that additive is kind of this new frontier mm -hmm. in a way. Mm -hmm. For example, with metals, you know, a lot of a lot of the AM metal solutions aren't certifiable at this point yeah. yet. Um, much in the same way, these jobs have a little bit of flexibility. Oh, yeah. Good yeah, good point there. So, you know, additive is a great way to get your foot in the door if you're trying to get into engineering. Right. Um, there because was, there's additional flexibilities offered to you, if that makes sense. People are more willing to hire absolutely. maybe a non-degreed individual and, or someone that doesn't have that, like, that five years engineering experience. Right. Which... They're going to ask for it. Oh, for sure. They're going to ask for it. And... You know, they're in the reality is so many companies are dabbling in 3D printing that awareness itself is a marketable skill. Mm -hmm. Meaning companies, there are companies out there that want to get into 3D printing, but the number one reason that they haven't is that they don't have anybody on staff to be the champion of of the technology. So they're desperate to find somebody and it doesn't matter if all you've been doing is 3D printing at home in in many cases. 
they need to find somebody that knows what 3D printing is, understands it on some level, and can come in, look at their processes and start to integrate them. Whether or not you're that person really is for them to decide, but for you to make the case for. Yeah. Yep. Create that documentation and create a sellable piece of content. Yeah. The documentation. Are you good at that? I'm not. Um, I I know they say threads are dying, mm-hmm. but or forums. Mm-hmm. I I still do them all the time for everything. Like I, yeah. I, I still get emails from a Mustang forum because I used to have a, a Ford Mustang, and it's I always think about it. I reminisce every time I get <laughs> like a little update. Um, but yeah, I, I I document in that way. Uh, I'm trying to get better doing video documentation. Um, but yeah, is in, in terms of video documentation, it's pretty much like the stories on my yeah, Instagram account and going and looking at the archives. I think I have enough material out there that I could go back and do a comp- it. compilation. Mm-hmm. But in the moment, I'm not great at documenting. Imagine though. I mean, you and I do a ton of little projects. Oh, I know. And if <laughs> I was, I made a list, you know, at the end of last year of all the things I accomplished. Really? Yeah. And- because the year before and the year before, I was just like, dude, you said this was going to be the year you did it. <laughs> this was the year you're going to do yeah. that, whatever. I have like three motorcycles that are like halfway done. I have a Bronco that's not quite done. And I want to get them done. Well, this this last year, I'm like, you know, you didn't get those done, but look at all the other things you got done. And so I went ahead and I just wrote them all down. And I'm like, dude, what if you'd have videoed just half of those yeah. and created like a little YouTube blurb or, or whatever. Like you could be building something, yeah. whether it's an application or uh, a YouTube channel, just something. Yeah. You know, I, at that point, you've probably done 90% of the work to get there, you know, so it's just the icing on the cake. Yeah. Yeah, that's a that's a good goal. Plus, think about it. At the end of like the Bronco, for example, maybe it does turn into a three, four year, five year project. At least then I can put together something at the end that's just kind of right. like even if it's just for personal use. Right. Check this out. Like because there's going to be a major. There already is, but there's going to be a major feeling of accomplishment when I finish that. Yeah. But these are all usable to help you get a job. In in additive, hundred percent. You're gonna you're gonna have to be an advocate for yourself. Don't underestimate your abilities, but also, know and understand that there there are some there is an education that you need, whether yeah. it's formal or informal. You can you can go either way. It just depends on what your end goal is. Mm-hmm. There are several um, additive manufacturing centric graduate programs. Yep. Online programs. Um, Stratasys, Desktop Metal, EOS, 3D Systems, all of these large OEMs have tons of educational material on their websites. There's plenty of material to to get enough info to get started. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, whether it's a course at the local college, even just completing one course, that is a marketable asset for yourself. You can say, I took, I took a semester of... of mechatronics engineering or whatever yeah. it was like yeah. for myself, I was in the mechatronics program. Um, and I learned plenty yeah. there. Uh, I also took, uh, I think two years in a drafting and design technology course, um, at the, the, at 
it what what was a state college. Mm-hmm. And so there are ways to get formally educated. Um, but yeah, there's yeah. also the informal education as well. I would say, you know, your friend's experience where he's a me- he's a mechanical engineer mm-hmm. in theory and if, in if theory. He, yeah, if he had undertaken one 3D printing project and, you know, really thoroughly analyzed what he was doing, why he was doing it, and trying to communicate that, that would be enough. You could go sign up for Penn State's, a, you know, AM graduate program, go through that, and you would land in different spots. Don't mm-hmm. get me wrong. You would land in different spots, but there are opportunities at every level. Like, if you want to go in and apply to become, you know, the additive lab owner at SpaceX, you're probably going to ha- need five to 10 years of additive experience. Having a master's in additive would help. Having DMLS or metal additive experience would help a lot. You're not going to walk in and, and get that from just printing at home. But there are, for every one of those jobs, there's probably 200 other jobs that require way less experience. Yeah, and they're not all these big mega jobs, right? Like there's, I think, 17 print bureaus within like 30 miles of us right here. Holy smokes. And um, I don't know, say there's three jobs. Say say there's an average of three employees at yeah. each of those places. Um, it could be more, could be less, but that's a whole bunch of jobs just here locally. And I know we've got... Yeah. There's other little hubs like that all around the world. And when I look at the map of our listenership, I'm starting to realize these are hubs. Ontario, yeah. Canada, like very there are tech there are hubs. tech-centric. Boston. Yeah, big, oh, big time. Surprisingly. Silicon Valley. Not a bunch of listeners in, in that from area. Boston. That we're growing there. They're we're growing. too yeah, they're too busy changing the world. <laughs> They live that fast-paced lifestyle. They don't have time as, for podcasts. As soon as our numbers spike in an area like that, we know that like one person at one of the many companies there located in <laughs> yeah. Boston found it and then just like emailed it to everyone. <laughs> Hopefully that continues to happen because we still have not advertised. We won't. Um, at the most, probably, we are going to put this up on our LinkedIn. Yeah, at some point I will... Hey, say, hey, LinkedIn uh, people, uh, this is something I've been doing at some <laughs> hey, point. Hey, LinkedIn people. Yeah, but well, we'll get there. Yeah, uh, hopefully this has been insightful yeah. to anybody out there that's maybe looking for a job change or uh, a way to leverage 3D printing to advance. Um, for my buddy out there, hopefully he never listens to this and isn't offended, but he could totally... Uh, leverage 3D printing just to get a job in mechanical engineering, maybe not even 3D printing at all. But it still shows that he is a mechanical engineer, that he really is one. You know, his heart and soul is about that, um, which you kind of made light of. It's really not. Even just from my little bit of storytelling, you know the type of dude he is. He went and got the degree and he didn't want to put in any work in addition to the degree, which, right. you know, that's not the way to look at it, a, a degree. It's got to be a stepping stone. It's not the it's not the one and only way to get a job. It's not a golden ticket to a job. No. 
No. For sure. It opens doors, but um, get your experience, and hopefully you can document and leverage that documentation in the future. Cool. Well, great combo. I, I think I learned quite a bit. Cool. That's surprising. <laughs> Hard to pack anything else in that big old brain of yours. Oh, whatever, man. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Should we talk next week? Yep. Next week. We'll see you then. Peace.